0: Welcome to the Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States.
1: Welcome to the Feathered Desert. This is Cheryl and Kirsten's with me. And today we're going to talk about coots are cute. Coots are cute. So in that Phoenix area, if you're walking around a lake, be it an urban lake like Red Mountain Fishing Lake or the ponds at the Gilbert Water Ranch or the large lakes that are outside of town like Canyon Lake or Apache Lake up in the Superstition Mountains, you will hear and see American coots. It's a funny looking bird, not quite a duck, not quite a chicken swimming through the cattails, floating in groups out in the center of the body of water that you happen to be around, and you can even see them at the Phoenix Zoo, swimming in the alligator exhibit. Coots are tough, adaptable water birds. They are more closely related to the Sandhill Crane. I found this so interesting. They're closely related to the Sandhill Cranes, with their first cousin being the Secretive Rail. Yep. And Kirsten's got the description.
0: Alright, so you guys have probably all seen it, just like Cheryl said, this weird bird, and you're like, I don't know what that is. The American Coot is a medium-sized bird, sometimes referred to as a mud hen, and that's because they spend a lot of time in the mud. And they kind of look like a chicken. They are 13 to 17 inches in length and 23 to 28 inches across the wings. I thought you, that
1: was rather large.
0: It is rather large, and you don't really see them very much. They're not they don't they don't typically like to fly all that much. They're not great flyers. Adult coots are a dark gray in color with a velvety looking texture to their feathers. And if you're looking at that from a the distance, they're gonna look black to you. So you don't get to see that they're actually kind of a dark gray until they're a bit closer to you. So they'll look mostly black. Uh, they do have a short white bill, which is really what gives them away. It's not, doesn't look like a duck, doesn't really look like a chicken, kind of in the middle and it's white. And there is a dark band at the tip Their white frontal shield, that's on their head. Well, kind of on their head. It goes from their bill up right in front of their head. So, yeah, it's a frontal shield. Um, Usually has a reddish-brown spot near the very top, just between their eyes. Their legs are a greenish-gray in color with large-lobed toes, which is the kind of i think the coolest thing about them is their toes and um my husband and i were actually just out at the riparian area in um gilbert and he stopped and looked at his toes and they're like look look at those! why are his toes like that and he just like freaked out because he's like those are the coolest toes i've ever seen ever uh so males and females will look alike and the birds weigh between one to two pounds so, they're actually, pretty, that's pretty good size. Pretty good poundage there for a, for a bird. Yeah. And they kind of look heavy, too. They do. Um, they're not, like, I, like we just said, they kind of don't fit in the area that they are. They don't seem like they'd be this great aquatic bird. But they're
1: very, very good where they live. Yeah, they're quite adaptable. So, let's talk feet. As Kirsten was saying, the coot's, the coots feet is really what sets it apart from other birds. Coots do not have webbed feet like ducks. They have lobed toes, which fold back as they step to help them walk on land. And if you can, you know what, they're kind of not, they're not very shy. No, they're really not. Um, if you sit quietly near them, they will forage around you. Remember when, when Kirsten and I were at, up at the Arboretum last year, we had one that came and almost like sat next to us. Yeah. And we got a very good look at their feet. Um, they fold. It folds back to help them walk on land. So it folds back and kind of hangs. So from a distance, they look like they have chicken feet or yeah. they have mm-hmm. prolonged toes, but they really don't. So they don't. They walk more like a chicken on land, and they have less. They don't have a waddle like you would you would see on a duck. So these birds are very territorial, and during nesting season, they can be fighting amongst themselves over territory by rearing up out of the water, and they use their strong legs and large feet to push each other around. In the water, since they do not have webbed feet, they propel themselves by pumping their heads back and forth. And you can see that motion, too. That's another way to distinguish them. Coots would rather swim than fly, just as Kirsten said.
0: Yeah, coots are interesting when it comes to food as well. They're actually slow and meticulous foragers. They pluck at plants and grasses while they're swimming, while they're walking, or they dabble with the head just under the water, or they can do full dives. Not as much. I don't see that as often, but they definitely can do it. Um, Coots will dive for food, um, and when they're doing that, they're really looking for small fish um, and other little snail-y kind of things Um, But they do prefer plant material. That's really their their preference. So that's why you don't really see them diving quite as much Um, during breeding season. I'm sure they probably dive for more, get a little more protein in their in their diet. Uh, Their diet uh, consists mainly of algae and aquatic plants such as algae, water lilies and cattails. Um, They will eat small crustacean snails, salamanders and tadpoles. That's what they're probably going to be diving for. And they do enjoy insects such as beetles, dragonflies, and other water insects.
1: Quite a variety. I yeah. was surprised about that, too.
0: They do eat quite a lot. And one of the really interesting things about coots, it's, it's just kind of a funny aside there, is that when they don't feel like foraging for themselves, they'll just steal someone else's food. <laughs> so note to other um, ducks and other uh, types of coots and stuff like that, don't, don't get too close to your neighbor coot. No. Because if he just doesn't feel like actually... Getting his own food, he's just going to take yours.
1: They kind of do have that sort of attitude about them. Yeah, kind of like laid back, and they are very meticulous, almost like sloths in a way. That's how I look at them because yeah. their uh, motions, except when they're trying to take off, it seems even that seems to be in slow motion.
0: Yeah, they actually the whole stealing the food is such a characteristic of them that they have been given their own uh, name for it, and it's kleptoparasitism parasitism, kleptoparasitism. Ah. Yes. And it's not just specific to the coot. There are lots of other animals that do it, but he does it. The coot, he, she, they do it so often that they've actually been given that as an attribute when discussing them. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Stinkers. Coots uh, uh, Coots are monogamous and they made for life and they are very vocal. So even if you don't see them, you'll hear them. Both males and females vocalize, but their sounds are different. And different, not only do they make different sounds, but different pitches. And mating season for the coot is now between May and June. So coots build three nests. They're all in the water. The first one, the male and female build together. Oh, isn't that cute? A little honeymoon, yeah. a honeymoon house. And it's usually a floating platform built uh, nest built out of cattails and reeds. The second one, the female birds built bird builds by herself and it's where she places the eggs and there may be anywhere from eight to 12 eggs laid the eggs are pinkish or buff gray in color i thought this was pretty Mm. with specks of dark brown or purple i wonder how she decides i don't know and i just see that's a question that is a good question well we do
0: discuss it a little bit in our eggs with the egg yeah in our egg podcast podcast, um we talk about it a little bit that the that they're able to make that decision as they're laying the eggs, what color it is. But, I mean, my my guess would be that they're looking at the color of their nest and they are trying to match mm-hmm. the egg to yeah, the color mm-hmm. of the nest. So maybe it depends on what kind of reeds they're using or the grasses, but that would be an excellent... Maybe we'll try to see if we can find the answer
1: to that. Yes. So both parents incubate the eggs, and once the eggs hatch, the parents move to the, to a... a move the brood to a floating nest aptly called the brood nest.
0: I didn't know all that. That's a lot of uh, nest building.
1: That is, for a bird that gives you the the appearance that it doesn't care. Yeah, it's pretty laid back about everything. Yeah.
0: See? So when the chicks do hatch, they're already covered in down, and they're ready to leave the nest within about six hours of hatching. And that's called precocial. And uh, another one of our precocial birds here are the gambles quail. Pretty much we've all seen that, especially now during this time. We are going to be posting this in um, May. And we've all seen the little fluff balls running around on little legs. So, I mean, right out of the egg, these guys are ready to go. So the young coot chicks actually have orange-tipped plumes over their neck and their head. They're actually really quite cute. (laughs) These chick ornaments, as they're called, attract the mother's attention, and she will preferentially feed the young with the brightest plume feathers. So note to self, if you are a coot sibling, grow brighter plume feathers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you want mom to feed you. you want mom to feed you,
0: you got to make a spectacle.
1: So in the coot world, the squeaky wheel... Um, gets the food. Yes.
0: (laughs) Gets all the attention. Uh, so the coots may have velvety looking feathers, but they are just adequate flyers. They're not all that great. Although they are migrators, which seems like kind of a conundrum. But coots will migrate at night since they're not super great flyers. The main reason is because they're slow to take off, which makes them vulnerable to predators. So to get airborne, coots typically have to beat their wings while running across the water. That just sounds so tiring to me. (laughs) Like, oh, goodness, just talking about it, thinking about it makes me tired. So while they're running across the water, they're flapping for their lives, and they have to go many yards, really, until they're able to lift off. So my goodness, that's that's a lot of work. So this slow takeoff actually makes them easy prey for their main predators, which are bald eagles. Coots make up to 80% of the bald eagles' diet. I was surprised about this. I, I knew, was a little surprised knew, about that, too. I knew
1: bald eagles liked waterfowl, but I didn't. I thought they liked fish more. Yeah. but Well, we have to
0: really take into consideration what Benjamin Franklin found out about the bald eagle is that they're lazy. <laughs> and they're going to take whatever, the easiest food there is. And boy, sorry, Coots, it really sounds like it's very easy to catch you.
1: Yes, it is. Um, they're quite adaptable. And we in the southwest, especially the Phoenix area, um, are lucky to have this unique bird with us all year round. And I have a plant spotlight. It's called cane grass. Cane now, grass. It's not hmm. something that you would um, want to plant in your yard, but I thought it was nice to highlight some of the plants we might see outside, especially if you're out at, um, at a lake. Like Canyon Lake or Apache Lake, like I mentioned earlier, just out there, and you see coots, this would be an area where coots would be.
0: Yeah, or even even if in your yard, maybe. I mean, some people like to make water water features, features in their yard. Quite a, I mean, we're yeah. in the middle of the desert. That always seems kind of silly to me. But, hey. Everybody likes to do what they are. And yeah. if, you can, uh, if you can highlight it a, um, for it. a native um, grass, then that's perfect. Yeah.
1: So this cane grass grows only in the presence of standing water or at least permanently moist soil. Once a very common plant, um, it's now uncommon due to evasive plant species and lack of water. So the young shoots are tasty, and many um, of them... Uh, uh, Animals and people have found it an important food source. The roots can be brewed into a tea and Hmm. is still considered a remedy for various ailments. And the ancient peoples used the grass. um, They found it indispensable because they used it for um, numerous things like material to use uh, weaving baskets and mats and for building walls and roofs. Nice. The dried hollow-out canes or poles, as they called them, were used in place of lumber, storage containers, and musical instruments. So this dense, these dense thickets of grass, when found in the wild, is an excellent habitat for wildlife. It offers food, protection, and concealment for a host of animals. And the plant is um, responsive to wind. So if you happen to be out in that area, and it happens to be a little breezy, um, you can hear it uh, the whispering. It's a most agreeable hushed tone, but you can hear the reeds moving back and forth. Not nice. like a rustling with cattails. It has more of a whistle to it.
0: More like a um, natural wind chime. Yes, yes. Nice. Very cool. So uh, that's a point there. If you're going to make a little water feature in your yard, you want to make sure that you've got enough of it to make a nice little uh, natural wind chime.
1: Yes. So that's it for today, and uh, thank you very much for listening.